Okay, with everyone's permission, let's start. So one of the one of the questions you ask, especially when you wake up in the morning and you decide if you really want to come and get here at six thirty in the morning for uh, for minyan or not, is you know can I just sleep and pray at home, right? So what's the difference? What's the difference between being part of a sibur or a minyan and not? That seems. <laughs> so, so we're going to look really at the sources to try to understand what, what this whole idea of, uh, of Sibur, of a congregation, and coming together means. What just thought? So, we read in this week's Perashah, You should not defile my holy name. I shall be sanctified among the children of Israel. I am God who sanctifies you. So the rabbis from this verse, where it says, I shall be sanctified among B'nai Israel, they derive from here in the Gemara that, that they learn in the Gemara that Kedusha, anything that has holiness, anything that has Kedusha, requires a minimum of 10 Jews to have this aspect of Kedusha. So the Gemara asks a question. Minayin, from where do we learn? That the, the individual does not say Kedusha. Where do we learn that the individual does not say? So for example, we have the Amidah that we say in the morning, the Shemona Esrei, and we have a section in the Shemona Esrei, which is the Kedusha, which is part of the repetition. So the question is, why doesn't it, where do we learn that an individual doesn't say this? And the answer the Gemara brings is this verse that we're starting with. This verse, Israel, I shall be sanctified among the, among the, the children of Israel. And the Gemara continues, Anything that we have that has an aspect of Kiddushah, It should not be performed unless there are a minimum of 10 people. So we learn in the Mishnah that this is you, you need to have ten people. So we're going to try to understand what the segula is, what this, what the 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 beneficial practice is of tefillah besibor, of praying in a congregation, praying together in a group. And this applies whether we're praying in a synagogue or in a study hall, where Hashem rests His shechina. That's the the idea. The shechina of Hashem is 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 resting there. And we're, we're only allowed to recite Kaddish and Kiddushah with a quorum of 10, of ten people. We fulfill the mitzvah through that. So this mitzvah that we have in this week's parashah is he sanctify me among. How do we fulfill it? By saying Kiddushah, by answering to Kaddish in a quorum of 10 people. You go further. We learn in the Gemara and it's another very strange thing because you would think that a prayer, a certain kind of prayer, and I remember uh, hearing a story. You know, the woman, a woman is in her in in a small village, and they come running through the village and they yell, "The mine caved in!" And the woman has her son and her husband uh, and her brother-in-laws and everyone's in the mine, and she starts to pray. And you would think that prayer should be the most heard prayer because she's completely praying from the heart. Yet the Gemara says something very strange. It says, it says Tanya, we learn in the Braita, 
Abba Binyamin says, En shel adam nishmat, a person's prayer is not heard, ela bibet hakneset, except in the synagogue. It seems so that that's what he's saying. So we're going to try to understand what is he saying. Shnei Amar. Because so so we're going to see what 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 they're doing and how come they could do that and when you could do that. But it says Shnei Amar. It says so. It says he's quoting a verse from the from the uh, from the from the Tanakh. And he says to hear the song and the prayer. Rashi explains that this refers to the Bet Knesset. That's where we utter songs. So he says, it seems based on this, this Braita that's quoted in the Gemara, that a person's prayers are only heard in a synagogue. So why bother to pray in the house? How many times do we get up and you got to pray in the house? Because you... You wake up late. Huh? Yeah, you wake up late. You wake up late. Uh, Yeah. So, so the question now is what, what is it saying and what's going on? So the, we continue in the Gemara. Ravin Bar Rav Ada says, in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak, from where is it derived that Hashem is found in the Bet Knesset? Because it states in this Pasuk, it says Hashem stands in the Divine Assembly. What does it mean Hashem stands in the Divine Assembly? Hashem is standing where you have ten people together. Additionally, the rabbis teach us that when a congregation prays to Hashem, it is an auspicious and favorable time, favorable time for the tefillah to be accepted, as the Gemara is explaining. So we see in the Gemara it says, Rabbi Yochanan says, in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and it's good we should say Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai tonight because uh, is, uh, we, 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 we celebrate his Hilula. I don't think that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away on the 33rd day of the Omer. I don't think that's really his hilulah. I don't think that's the reason, but we could look at that later. <laughs> so, so, but in say we, we, we celebrate Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He says, so he says, what's the meaning of this pasuk? He says, But as for me, my tefillah is to you, Hashem. He says, an etratzon, at a favorable time. So the Gemara, so the, the, the Gemara asks the question, when is it a favorable time? So he says, what's the answer? When the congregation prays. Any time the Sibur comes together to pray is a favorable time. Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina said that it could be derived from this Pasuk. Thus says Hashem, at a favorable time I have answered you. And then and Rabbi, Rabbi Acha Bar Rabbi Hanina says that it's derived from this Pasuk. And he brings another Pasuk. So Reish Lakish says, anyone who has a Bet Knesset in his city, but does not enter to pray there, is called, he says he's called an evil neighbor. And he quotes a pasuk based on that. So really the Gemara and Brachot is telling you, it's crucial to a person to go to the synagogue to pray. Because when a person goes to the synagogue to pray, it's automatically in the prayers of the synagogue at the time that the people come together to pray. That's called etratzon. That's called a time of Hashem's mercy that Hashem is going to accept your prayer. So now, it so goes further. He says, not only that, he says, but a person who doesn't go to the synagogue when he has an opportunity to go to the synagogue, meaning he has a synagogue in his town, this is the Gemara, not me, 
the Gemara says that a person who doesn't go to the synagogue when he has a synagogue in his town, he says he brings upon himself and his descendants exile. So, so it goes so far, the Gemara and Berachot is telling you that a person has to know. The Gemara continues that there's a tremendous value in praying in a Sibor, and we learn that from the Ketorot. So we know that, that, that we brought every day in the, in the, in the Mishkan, in the Ben HaMikdash, we brought a Ketorot, a spice, so to say, spice offering. Hmm? Eleven spices. So the, the question is, what are the eleven spices? So we, we actually read it every day, three times in our prayers, and we count, we count the, the spices on our fingers when we, when we count it. So it says the Pasuk is written, it says he goes through. One of the eleven spices is called Chilbona. Chilbona is one of the eleven spices. Rashi explains that this spice called Chilbona is very foul smelling. So everyone asks the question why would you include among the spices a foul smelling spice? Foul, bad smelling, a bad smell. Why would you put a bad smell in this mixture? And uh, the, the Gemara tells us that, this, the, that, that, the, that the Ketorit includes this to tell us that we should include the sinners among us when we pray. So we have 11 spices. Of the 11 spices, one of them is no good. As long as the one joins the 10, he's fine. He doesn't have a bad smell anymore. So we could suggest... Hmm? Also as a fixative, you know, in, in perfumes, yeah. you use skunk yeah. as, as a fixative. So, mm. so you can have a good smelling perfume, but it's got skunk in it ah. to, as a fixative. Ah, so, that's a, so then it makes sense. That's why maybe they have. So it, it goes so far, so far as to say this, this word sibur, which means congregation, Sibor, my rabbi would always say, what is Sibor? It's three letters basically, Tzadik, Bet, and Resh. Tzadik is Sadikim, righteous. The Bet is for Ben Onim, ben onim the middle people. And the Resh is for Reshaim. So Sibor has to have all of the players. Even but, someone. But if it's a reform congregation. Yeah. You're among skunks. Ah, is that right? That, so it has to be. A, it, so you see, then in the end where we're gonna see what does it mean a sibur. What? So, but if the rasha comes to the sibur, he's inside the sibur and he's accepted inside the sibur. So his tefilot is so to say accepted. Now the question is: Is he considered an individual, or does his status completely change? And that's what we're gonna we're gonna see as we go further. So, so that. That Hashem hinted to us to include even those members of B'nai Israel who resemble Chelbona, Rishaim, smelly people, so to say. I guess today it's not <laughs> rough day. He says, seeing as the time when the Sibor prays is an auspicious and favorable time, Hashem accepts even the Tefilot of Israel's sinners who join the Sibor in prayer. So one of the criteria is the Rasha has to be willing to join the other people and pray with them. If he wants to become part of them, he's accepted to become part of them. So now we understand what Rabbi Ahad, what he's saying. He says, 
He says that that regarding Tefilat Bisibor, behold, Hashem does not despise the numerous. He see, he says that Hen Elka. He's quoting Pasuk. He says that Hashem will accept the prayers even of the sinner, as long as the sinner is coming together with the with the rest of the people. We we quote from Tehilim, Tikon Tefilati Ketoret Lefanecha. So we say, we say, and, and we say this really every day when we, we're going to about to pray the Amidah. We say, Tikon tefilati ketoret lefanecha. My tefillah should be considered like ketoret in front of you. Possibly to say, because our tefillah will be con- is accepted in conjunction with the tefillah of the Sadikim, therefore we pray in a group, and even the foul scent, the bad scent together with the fragrant is fine. This is the meaning of what we say every time before we pray. My prayer should be accepted just like the Ketoret. Just like you, Hashem, are accepting the Ketoret, even with this terrible smelling spice within it, even if I'm that terrible guy, accept me because I'm part of the group. So as long as I'm part of the group, everything changes. So there's something to be said for people who just show up on, on Yom Kippur alone. or Shashat At least alone. they show up. Right, at least they show up. So he says, we, we go further, and we see that Rabbeinu Nisim, the Ran, he's one of the Rishonim, he writes as follows. He says, we learn that the Sibur possesses the virtue of having its tefillah accepted even in the presence of sinners. He says, and he, again he brings this example, that those resembling the Chalbona, those resembling this bad smelling spice, he goes further, and he, he quotes from the, the Gemara and Sota. He says, Le'olam, so always the awe of the Sibur should be upon you. So he says that, imagine something that you should know how important it is when a group comes together to pray. When the Kohanim go up to bless the people, what do they do? He says, they turn their backs on the, on the ark, so to say, on the Shekhinah, which is supposedly behind them, they turn their backs and they face the people. What does it mean they're facing the people? Because resting upon the people who are coming together is the Shekhinah. So it's not like the Shekhinah is in the ark with the Torah. The Shekhinah is really resting on the people and therefore the priests, when they bless the people, their back is to the, to the Torah and they're, they're facing the people. So he says that's the so that was the Ran. So the the Ran explains. He says based on what we learned in the Gemara, he says Banim atem Hashem Elokechem. He's quoting again from Devarim. You are children to Hashem your God. He says Bizman shatem noagim in Hagbanim. When you act like children, atem kuruim banim. You're called children. But when you don't act like children, then you are not called children. These are the words of Rabbi Yehuda. So you, you would think it makes sense. Banimatem, we have a verse in the Torah. It says, Banimatem, you are children to God, your God. So are we always considered God's children? Can I always say, you know, my father in heaven, right? Can we always, can we always, can we always say that, that, that I'm like God's child? So there's two opinions in the Gemara. One opinion is Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says that, that 
if you behave like a child, if you do what a child's supposed to do and respect the parent, respect God, then God considers you as his child. But if you don't, if you're a bad child, then God doesn't consider you as his child. It says, goes further, Rabbi Meir says, the opposite, he says that a person should know that whether, whether he is, he, he says that either way, whether he behaves or doesn't behave, he was, he's always considered God's child. Rabbi Meir cites several Pesukim to support his opinion. So the question is, who's right? Who's right? There's an argument in the Gemara, are we considered children when we misbehave? So the Ran is of the opinion that the Halakha is according to Rabbi Meir, which means that no matter what we do, whether we behave or don't behave, Hashem always considers us our children. The problem is, we have a principle in the Gemara that says, anytime there's a debate between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, these two rabbis, the halacha is always like Rabbi Yehuda. So therefore, we should follow Rabbi Yehuda to say if a person doesn't behave, then he's not considered as a child. So, so, so what is the... What is the uh, so how is it, how is it halachat that you should follow how could you be to follow Rabbi Meir so he brings here he brings here specifically so I'm gonna, I have the translation in English he says although each individual is not worthy of this designation in his own right meaning to be called a child okay so who should really be called a child one who acts like a child one who's respectful like a child he says although each individual is not worthy of this designation in his own right Yet by joining together, the congregation as a whole acquires a status and prominence far beyond what is deserved based on an individual part. That means if we come together as a group, we overcome our own shortcoming and we're considered we have a different status. He, come, he says again, again we go back to this whole idea of chelbonah and we go back to this spice that was a foul spelling spice within the Ketoret. It would have been, so this is the Ran saying, it would have seemed that the inclusion of this Chelbona would detract from the Ketoret. Nevertheless, we are taught that the spices of the Ketoret, if you did not include the Chelbona, this foul-smelling spice, the Ketoret is no good. This same principle applies when the sinners and evildoers join us in our service of the Almighty. Not only do we not lose out, but our service is deemed, this is crazy, more complete and perfect. So what is it better to pray? 11 righteous guys or 10 righteous guys and one not righteous guy? From the words of the Ran, it seems, when you bring the non-righteous guy into the others, it makes the whole prayer better. Upon closer analysis of the words of the Ran, we begin to appreciate that he provides a tremendous chidush. He's saying to us, that it's more important to have this, this guy pray with you than not to pray with you. We bring further, there's a rabbi, amazing rabbi, he lived in the, in, the late, in the late 19th century, early 20th century. His name was Rabbi Joseph Rosen. He was, the, he was called the, the Rogachova Gaon. They speak about him. He wrote a number of books and all the books are called Stofnat Paneach, which was the name of Joseph which is the one who reveals the secrets. He, uh, 
he, so I say he, he lived mainly the early 20th century. They said that his mind was so sharp he could look at any case and he could analyze the case with, with every page of the Gemara in his mind. Every page of the Talmud in his mind, he could analyze any given case. They said they called him the Gaon, the genius. Just one of the things, he, he, was, uh, he was a rabbi for 50 years in, uh, in, uh, in, in uh, Rog- Rogachev, I guess it's, it's near Vienna. No, Belarus, in Belarus. And he was uh, just a tidbit I found, uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Schneerson, got his smicha from this rabbi. So, so this rabbi has a number of works, and, the, and a number of rabbis comment on him. So he addresses this subject of a rasha praying with Sadiqim on a number of occasions in his books. And the gist of what he writes again and again is this. He says, We are well aware of the fundamental principle that when ten men gather, their status is elevated to that of a sibor regarding matters of Kedusha. So ten people come together and they're a sibor. It is worthwhile investigating the nature and definition of a sibor. So he asks the question, is it merely a collection of individuals whereby each individual maintains his individuality even after forming part of the Sibur? Or perhaps after gathering together to form this single entity known as a Sibur, the people achieve a new status in which each individual concedes his individuality. So what is it? So he brings an example. We have... We have the laws of Isur Veheter, meaning kosher and non-kosher foods. One of the, one of the things we have is Tarovet, mixtures. So what happens if I have a pot of this and I drop something into the pot? What happens with the, with the mixture? One of the things we have is Yavesh Beyavesh, dry and dry. So meaning I have uh, a bunch of pieces of, uh, of meat that are kosher, and I have one square cube that looks like all the other cubes, and it's not kosher. And it mixes into the other ones. What happens? Even if they mix together, even if they mix together, they're still individual pieces. The other idea is, is lach belach, wet with wet. So wet with wet means if I have wet, wet mixtures, wet, wet things. So say I have a, a big uh, pot of soup and I have a pot of chicken soup and I drop milk into the chicken soup. So now what happens? It's all one mixture. You can't pick out the milk no matter what you want to do. So beyavesh, beyavesh, I could, in, in theory, I could pick out the piece that's not the one I'm not supposed to have, in theory. But in, in lach belach, I can't pick it out. So the question he asks is when you form a minyan, when you form this sibur, better word, when you form this sibur, is it a case of Yavesh Beyavesh, of ten individuals coming together, each remains an individual who could be picked out? Or is it Lach Belach? Or is it the ten individuals completely lose their individuality and all of them become part of this new entity called chicken soup, right? So he says, in the latter case, each individual concedes his individuality to the entity of the Sibor. He says that. In matters of Kiddushah, when he, when he surveys the entire Talmud Bavli, and the reality is he could do this, and the entire Talmud Yerushalmi, with all of the commentaries of the Rishonim all at once, so basically he's saying, I'm considering this question, and I'm looking at 
all the pages of the Talmud, right? That's 2,800, whatever the number is. I'm looking at all the pages of the Talmud, right? 2,700 or so pages. And I'm looking at every commentary on those 2,700 pages. And this is what I believe based on all of that. He says, he says, he goes from there, he, and he, he brings both, both, both viewpoints and tries to interpret it from both, both, both viewpoints. So he goes from there and he starts to explain based on another concept that we have. We have, when we say, when, when after we eat, we're supposed to say Birkaramazon. There's a halakha in the Torah. It says, Ve'achalta, and you ate, Ve'savata, and you were satisfied, Uberachta, and you should bless. That's what we have saying Birkaramazon, saying grace after meals. When we say Birkaramazon, we know if an individual says it, he just says it. But if three people say it, we have something called Zimun. Zimun, where three people come together. If three people come together, we say Nevarech Sha'achalnu Mishulo. Right? So we're going to say Nevarech, let, let us bless Sha'achalnu that we ate from his, what belongs to God. Now, if there are ten people together, so now we're in Devar Shibiktu Shah, instead of saying Nevarech Sha'achalnu Mishulo, we say Nevarech Elokeinu Sha'achalnu Mishulo. We add the name of God because it's Devar Shibiktu Shah. The Gemara, though, says, well, what happens if you have a hundred people together? And what happens if you have a thousand people together? Do you change the blessing or not? So there's one rabbi, his name is Rabbi Yossi HaGalili, and he says that if you have, we have, if we have ten people, we say, Nevarech Elokeinu, like we said. If you have a hundred people, he says, we say, Nevarech Hashem Elokeinu. He says, and if you have a thousand people, we say, Nevarech, let us bless, La Hashem Elokeinu, to God our God, Elokei Yisrael, the God of Israel. So Rabbi Yossi Aglili says that the more people you have, the greater the Kedushah. It keeps expanding based on the number of people that you have. Rabbi Akiva, though, says, uh uh-uh. uh. He says, once you have ten, there's no difference between 10 and 1,000. Because once you have 10, you have this new entity and everything changes. He says that, for example, when we pray and we say, Baruch et Hashem right before Shema, it doesn't matter if you have 10 people or you have 1,000 people or you have 50,000 people. It's exactly the same words. So he says, therefore, once you have Sibor, once you have this mixture, you have a mixture. And therefore, this Rogachov or Gaon, he explains that the dispute regarding the definition of a Sibor, according to Rav Yossi HaGalili, he says, a Sibor is a collection of individuals. So that if you have 10, 100, 1,000, you have more individuals. He says, those individuals make up the Sibor. But according to Rabbi Akiva, he says that although the Sibur is, is composed of a collection of individuals, nevertheless, in the process of becoming a Sibur, a new reality is formed. They're no longer individuals, but they're part of this new group that's called Sibur. Every individual, this is based on, this is what he's writing based on Rabbi Akiva. He says, every individual in the group loses his individual status and becomes insepar- an inseparable part of the Sibor. 
Hence, it makes no difference whether the Sibur, the congregation, is composed of 100 or 1,000. In the end, there is merely one entity and one reality. That reality is of Sibur, congregation. Therefore, according to his point of view, even if 1,000 people participate in the blessing, the same formula is used as when only 10 participate. This is the gist of his explanation. He says it's necessary to add one vital point. The halakha follows Rabbi Akiva. And it make, that it makes no difference whether there are 10, 100, or 1,000. He says in any event, the same formula is employed just as the halakha states in the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law. Therefore, we can conclude that from a halakhic point of view, a sibur constitutes a new reality in which individuals no longer exist. Unbelievable thinking. So now, once we come together, once you come together, it's a new reality. The individual no longer exists. So when I'm praying for myself, right, I'm trying to take my prayers, so to say, up to heaven. Now the question is, am I worthy to take those prayers up to heaven? Maybe yes, maybe no. But if I'm together with a Sibur, that entity called Sibur, once it has 10, has a direct connect, right? Beep, beep, you know, whatever the whole phone. You could direct connect, and the tefillot of everyone in that Sibur are carried up together. He goes further. He says, Rabbi Meir's reasoning, which, which we said before, the, the, between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. He says that no matter what, even if Israel fails to act accord, in accordance with the will of Hashem, they are still regarded as His children. Even though He says that every single individual on His own is not worthy of this, He says from the side of joining into the group, He says the whole acquires the status and prominence far beyond what it deserves, based on its individual parts. So he says, one plus one plus one, whatever, to get to 10, is not 10. It's a completely new entity, completely in a different world. Goes further. He says, assuming an individual is not worthy of being called the son of Hashem, due to his evil deeds and ways, yet as part of this entity called Klal Yisrael, he becomes part of a new reality in which each individual loses his individual shortcomings. For he now becomes an inseparable part of what this entity called Klal Yisrael is, Israel, of whom it is said, Banim Atem Hashem Elokechem. So as Klal Yisrael, as a group, you're considered children of God. Goes further, the run. They already alluded to this. Again, he brings the whole idea of the Chelvonah, which was placed together with the spices of the Ketoret. It would seem that the inclusion, again, he's writing the same, the same that the others wrote. It would have seemed that the inclusion of this, this Chelvonah would detract from the Ketoret. Nevertheless, we are taught that the spices of the Ketoret were not complete or perfect without it. The same principle applies when the sinners and evildoers join us in our service of the Almighty. Again, not only do we not lose out, but our service is deemed more complete and perfect. So the whole idea of unity that we were talking about the other Last day, week, right. It's the same concept, really. It's really the same concept because in the end you see the same wording is used. 
But this idea of unity is it's more than that. It's not just us. It's once you become unified, it's a whole different world. You're, 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 you're something else. So the question, do I wake up in the morning? Do I want to just pray on my own or do I want to go to pray with the group? It's like uh, one is I have a free pass and one is no matter what I'm going to do, it's not going anywhere. Because you're going to see, you're going to see based on the example of Rabbi Akiva. So he goes further. He says, he, he, says he, we, we, he wants to prove that when an individual elevates himself to become an inseparable part of the Sibur, he discards his individual shortcomings. The Gemara teaches us that Hashem commanded us to include the Chelvonah, and he goes through the whole idea again of the Chelvonah and the Ketoret that we explained already. So if a community is a particularly challenged community with a bunch of criminals, and, and they come together, their status is elevated. So the question is, if you went, what you could define as Sibur. So the, the thing that, the, thing that the, the question goes like this, and we're going to try to define how to define Sibur as we go forward. But when you look at the Chelbona, you have how many spices? Eleven. Eleven. The eleventh can join the ten. But he's not one of the ten, it seems. So I don't know if that's a hint. So, so, is, so it's a question we always one, ask the rabbi. We always ask. One, the stinky one is the 11th one the stinky The 11th one? is the stinky. Ah. The 11th is joining the 10. Once you have the 10, the everyone reality, else could join. The reality is created. They've created the reality. What defines Sibor? We're going to try to go further and see what defines Sibor. But in the Besamim, the foul smell is necessary. And he says, he says not only in the Besamim, he says, but you have a better prayer, a, 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 the, a number of them bring, that the tefillah is better if, if you have a choice of 10 sadikim alone or 10 sadikim with the rasha, the tefillah of the 10 sadikim with the rasha is better than the tefillah, tefillah of the 10 sadikim or 11 sadikim. But the logic of the Basalim, you think that it's 9 plus the rasha. But it's not, that's, the, that's what it's showing you. It's okay. ten plus the. It's always it's eleven. The besamim, oh, right? It's eleven. Eleven. Oh, okay. Eleven. It's eleven ingredients. Okay. So eleven ingredients. You need to have the ten, and the eleventh joins the ten. That's what seems. So, right. So you got it. So it goes further. The same holds true. He says so. This chelvonah seems true when the seemingly undesirable elements of Israel participate in tefillah besibor. In truth. They themselves, like Chilvona, are categorized as sinners and evildoers. However, when they join the Sibur to pray, they shed their status as individuals, as sinners and evildoers. They are elevated and become an inseparable and even indispensable part of the Sibur. By becoming part of the Sibur, they achieve a level of perfection free of any shortcomings. The guy actually is born again, reinvents himself, just by being part of that. So in essence, if he really can let himself go, so to say, and melt into what's there, he can leave the synagogue as a new guy. Thus we also gain a better understanding of what Rav Shimon Bar Yochai is saying. Rav Shimon Bar Yochai is saying, He says, He says, he says, we say, I am a prayer. What do you mean, I am a prayer? Hashem et I'm a prayer for you, God, at, at this time of, of uh, a favorable time. When is it a favorable time? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is asking. 
He says the favorable time, you don't have to look on the clock, you don't have to be like Bil'am is knowing the time that Hashem is going to be upset and when it's going to be at Ratzon, you don't have to have a Mikubal tell you this is the time you should pray and look at the clock and go outside and drop a piece of water in the, this corner and that corner and all these crazy things. He says if you just come together with the group and pray together, that's called Et Ratzon. That's Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. He's the head spook. There's no, uh, no one on top of him, right? But so he the says. Charedim hold by this too. But the Charedim hold, for sure they hold by this. But it's funny, so you sometimes walk into a place, right? And they look at you like. Uh, I could say the joke, you know. They look at you like, uh, like you know, you're. Uh, you, you, you came into the Ku Klux Klan meeting and, you know, you're, <laughs> you're the odd man out, right? So they look at you, but the truth is they're better off when you, when you come to pray with them. They probably have their own guys, they just dress up. <laughs> so it says, so, that, so he says, this is what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yosai is saying. He says that what's the favorable time when you come together? He goes, he goes, and what does it mean? It says, God does not despise the numerous, meaning once you have this group come together, Hashem accepts everyone and everyone is elevated. Let's go further. This is based on the, the Rebbe of Bells. He brings this and he comments on all of this and he brings his own, uh, own opinion, but his opinion is really based on the Maharal of Prague, which he writes in the book Derech Chaim on Pirkei Avot. And he writes there, he writes there, we're going to translate. So they said, He's commenting on this verse, I am a, a prayer. When is it Ratzon? When the Sibur comes together to pray. He says, so he says, he goes, he cites in the Gemara and Barachot this whole verse, and deriving the fact that when the Sibur gathers to, dav, to pray together, it is considerable, favorable, auspicious time. He says, thus we can conclude that the blessed one desires the Sibur specifically, and it is his will when they pray for the things they need, he's going to answer their prayers, so to say. He says it's a profound concept because we have to understand you have any time you pray, any time you ask for something, what do you do? You invite a prosecutor, right? So what is the idea? Sometimes people talk about the evil eye, right? So they talk about the evil eye. So someone looks at another person and says, wow, he got a new, I don't know, a new BMW, right? How come he got a new BMW? What happens when the guy opens his mouth with his evil eye to say, he got the BMW, how come he got the BMW? What happens is the prosecutor upstairs opens up the book and wants to check your tax return. Now, no matter how kosher you are, no matter what you did, everyone's tax return, they can find something wrong, right? So he says, he's going to open up your books. Once they open up your books, the prosecutor is going to go after you. Anytime you become the subject of the prosecutor, you're in trouble, no matter how good you are. Right? So he says, so what's going on here? The guy's going to come to pray. The guy comes to pray. He's asking, please, God, give me this, give me this. this is what he, does he deserve it or not deserve it? The prosecutor opens the books. He says something unbelievable. He says that when you have a sibur that comes together from the perspective of the general public sin does not exist there's no such thing as sin with a group 
seems very hard to understand. He goes, he says, because the sin only pertains to individual components. Only individual sin. Not the group. Huh? What about the golden calf? So it's interesting because you're going to see, he says that really even the gold is only individuals sinning. He says, regarding the group as a whole, the notions of sin and blame do not pertain. Therefore, blame of the Sibur only applies to its individual components, what its individuals have done. And the Tefillah and the Bet Knesset comes from the aspect of the Sibur. Therefore, it's Et Ratzon. And therefore, when the Sibur is dead, and therefore he says, you have to know that anytime you have something called Sibur, congregation, that congregation is automatically guaranteed to be dedicated to the will of the Almighty. Now that's a very hard concept for me to understand. What do you mean? Anytime I get 10 guys together, they're going to be dedicated to the will of the Almighty. How could you say that? How could you make that statement? It seems very difficult. Because I could tell you a lot of times that I could, you know, I was in high school and 10 of us got together and for sure we weren't there for the will of the Almighty, right? So he says, after examining this, he says, how do we understand this? He says, you have to think the Ran told us that the Sibur constitutes this, thing, this new entity in which the individual components are nullified and blame is only associated with the sin of individuals. Therefore, the moment these individuals join to become an inseparable part of Sibur, there no longer exists any room to blame, for blame. For in this new entity, individuals do not exist and sin does not exist. So the question is, the question I just asked. One might ask, what if the Sibur sins together? Right? This is not a problem. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Keshe Reshaim Eno Min Haminyan. He says, a confederacy, this the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin, a confederacy of wicked men cannot be counted as part of a quarrel. Once the Rishaim come together, they're not Sibur, they're not Minyan, they don't count as this. The Sibur, so the, the, when you're a Sibur, there's no sin. That's it's, it's together. So he says the title Sibur can only be applied to a gathering that is Lashem Shamayim. So the question now is, if I have 10 guys and they're not great guys, but they're coming to the synagogue to pray, L'Shem Shamayim. Huh? It works. It works. And the status of every single one of them changes and is completely washed away because now they've become part of this concept called Sibur. Even though they were all Rishayim. But if all the Rishayim come together and say, you know what, boys? We're going to shul on Yom Kippur. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to pray. Boom. The status of every single one of them is completely changed because they've become part of Sibor. The question is, how do they walk away? It's very hard to Maybe they're going to go there by interest. Ah? Okay. You heard about Lenin. When he had the head of the Communist Party, he says at the end of their meetings, they thought they could have a minyan because 400 Jews. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the, the, the question is, uh, so the question is, are they coming to the synagogue because they're coming to eat lunch? Because you got, you know, your deluxe breakfast in the morning and 
deluxe lunch in the thing, or they're coming to sit in the back and talk about real estate and see if see that guy to make a deal. And so you're hoping that when you get the guys coming together, you got at least ten guys that are coming l'shem shamayim. Because if you have the ten guys coming l'shem shamayim, even if everyone else is chelvona, they're part of the ten, and boom, everything works. You just need the ten. Right. But they need to join as a group. You need the 10. Right. You, but you still need the 10. You can't have one. Yeah. We still pray because we, none of us could. It's, I mean, look, we, we, we're hoping you have 10 guys that are at least Lashem Shamayim. If you have 10 guys, he's saying that that's the basis. The Sibur is applied to a gathering that is L'Shem Shamayim. He's... No, no, no. That's between God and... Uh, we're not worrying about it. We're not, we're not pointing. Because who could be? You know, the, the big rabbi could be. He's only coming because he's, if he doesn't come, they, they're going to take his name downstairs and he's going to get docked on the... You don't know. You don't know what's in anybody's... So he says, this is... It says, this is the message conveyed by the Mishnah Perkeavot. It says, Hillel Omer, Hillel says, Al min hasibur. Do not separate yourself from the Sibur. He says, why is he saying that? Because the power of the Sibur is great. It elevates the individual to a new status, devoid of sin and blame. We could add, he says, a, a, a small thing regarding Rabbi Akiva. Says so such was the custom of Rabbi Akiva. So this is very interesting. So this is he's saying, what about the Sadiq who's going to say, I'm going to pray on my own? He says, when he prayed with the Sibor, he would shorten his tefillah and finish because of the burden placed upon the Sibor. When he would pray by himself, a person would leave him standing in this corner and find him in another corner. Why did this happen? Because of the bowings and prostrations. This is, in fact, is how the Rambam records the halakha. He says, Hamit palel im hasibor. The person who prays with the Sibor. So you could imagine Rabbi Akiva. He's the guy, okay? He's the teacher of everyone who's the teacher going after him. He's the link in the chain. When he would pray with the Sibor, he could shorten his prayer. Why? Because he's part of the Sibor, him. But when he prayed on his own, it was a whole different story. Even he had to battle to go through. And this comes with the question because you have some people have a question. So the question is, we're supposed to pray, for example, the Amidah every day, if we can, at the moment of sunrise. At the moment of sunrise is the best time to pray. So if you have, and, and you have stories that someone saw someone and they said, you look like you're shining. Why? Because I prayed at the moment of sunrise. So if you have a minyan that prays every day at the moment of sunrise, you pray with that minyan. Now say in your town, there's no minyan that prays at sunrise. So there are a number of rabbis that say, what should you do? You should pray yourself early, pray the Amidah exactly sunrise, and then come to the synagogue for the rest. The question, huh? Right, pray Vatikin on your own and then come. The question though is, if you pray on your own, it's only if the person is going to have the kavanah to be able to pray on his own and get the job done. 
So there's a big question of who's capable of doing that and who's not capable of doing that. And you see an argument whether it's worth it to pray on your own at the right time or to pray with the quorum, not in the right time. So it seems based on all of this, it's probably better for the average person, not even the average, the average everyone in our time except for the rare few to come together and pray together with the minyan. But when you, when you pray with the tzibu after praying nets, uh, yeah. you're skipping the amidah. No, you're saying the Amidah on Second your own. Yeah, no, you're saying you the Amidah. Then you stop at the end right. of the Amidah. Then you come, in, then you come to the synagogue, you, you hear up. the repetition of the Amidah. No, you continue with them from the repetition of the Amidah ah, forward. Ah. So that way you do the repetition with the Kiddushah, the Torah, everything else goes on with the, with the crowd. So you only pray through the Amidah. Then with your tefillin still on, you come to the synagogue and pray the rest with the synagogue. I doubt there are many people who do this, but there are people. I know people who do it. But there are not that many people who do it. So, the, the Shulchan Aruch writes, so this is, this is the, this is the uh, sorry, the Rambam writes, the Rambam is writing the Halakha in Hilchot Tefillah. He says, hasibur, a person who prays with the Sibor should not overly extend his Tefillah by himself, however, it is permissible. So this is the accepted law. That a person who's praying together with other people, he shouldn't pray so long. But when he's praying on his own, he could pray long. Why? Based on what we discussed, we could suggest that Rabbi Akiva's behavior is consistent with his opinion regarding the bracha of Zimun. We learn that he disagrees with Rabbi Yossi Aglili. He says, once you have ten... That's it. It's a changed status. It's a changed people. This Rabbi Yosef, he continues, he teaches us, according to Rabbi Akiva, a sibor is a new reality created by joining together of individuals. From the moment they form a sibor, all of the individual components are nullified. Therefore, when he prayed with the sibor, he would shorten his tefillah, finish more quickly, seeing that God accepts the prayer of the sibor, in which the flaws of the individuals are not discernible, it is inappropriate to trouble the seaboard. So don't go on and on praying, because whatever you're doing, God's accepting. Huh? Good thing to get people to come, right? Okay. Continuing onward, he goes, let's proceed to explain. What, where does this, the, the power of the seaboard stem from? He says... It has the power to nullify all of the individual components along with all their transgressions. Consequently, Hashem accepts even the tefillot of the evildoers among B'nai Israel who join the Sibor. So we go into the Gemara in Sanhedrin. It says, Kol bi'asara shechinta sharia. That any time you have a gathering of ten, the Shekhinah dwells upon them. The, the, she, the Shekhinah dwells upon them. He goes, how do we understand this? We know that the Shekhinah is the source of all of the souls. All of the souls of B'nai Israel are sourced in the Shekhinah. So remember, we, we have to think, we say, L'Shem Yichud, the Shekhinah, and the... So the Shekhinah is, is, is the source of all the souls. All the souls are united within the Shekhinah. When they descend to the world, however... They clothe themselves in a physical body. They diverge and each neshama goes on its own separate way. 
says, so the Shekhinah, Knesset Israel is the source of all neshamot. All souls are coming from this, this entity called Shekhinah or Knesset Israel. This is below the Kisea Kavod and below the, the, the Hashem's throne. There's a, a, like a, I guess a, a space below the chair. And from this space is what's called Shekhinah. And from here all the souls descend. He says, this Shekhinah is referred to as Knesset Israel. For she is the source of the gathering of all the neshamot of Kalal Israel. This is Nefesh HaChayim. It says, it turns out therefore that when we draw the presence of the Shekhinah down to earth to rest upon the neshamot of Israel, we cause all the neshamot of Israel which are united in their source to unite and bind together. It's an unbelievable concept. So let me say it again. Within Shekhinah is every single soul. Every single soul is within this concept called Shekhinah. If we have 10 people that come together, what do they do? They draw down Shekhinah. And when they, bless you, when they draw down Shekhinah, within that Shekhinah is every other soul from all time eternity. We're praying with them as one. They become part of us. So that soup is not just the 10 plus one, so to say, but it's every single soul in essence, if you could feel what's happening, right? If you could feel on a spiritual level what's happening, you know, then, then you would just, it, you, you can't even imagine. You, you have to look up and say, every single soul that's ever been is descending onto you at that moment and you're joining with every one of those souls in this unity. It's like the bowl. Hmm? Like the bowl. Yeah. Like what? The bowl. So when another Star Trek phase, so, so it's, it, exactly, exactly, exactly. You're with every one of the yeah. other souls. Every soul is connected. It's like what was the, the cartoon movie with the tree and it touches everything through the ground. You remember the, what so the one? whole minion gets elevated because of this? So the whole minion gets elevated to join all the souls of Knesset yourself. So the key really is can I feel what's happening? So there was, there was a rabbi who came in and he saw it said, it said on the wall of the synagogue, don't speak during during Shema, during certain prayer and during the reading of the Torah. So he went into the synagogue and he crossed out the words during the certain prayer and during the reading of the Torah. And they asked him, Rabbi, why'd you cross it out? Because when a person comes into the synagogue, they shouldn't speak at all about anything other than this. If they understood what's really going on in this place, their whole mind would be a different set. So he, says, so he goes further, he says, it turns out, therefore, that when we draw the presence of the Shekhinah down to earth to rest upon the Neshamot of Israel, we cause all the Neshamot of Israel, which are united at their source, to unite and bind together. He says, now we can understand somewhat the concept of Sibor. We learn that Hashem rests his Shekhinah, the source of all Neshamot on the Sibor. Due to this presence, all of the branches, the Neshamot within the body, are nullified and submit to the root source. As a result, a new reality is formed, a sibur where all the neshamot together, all the souls together, embody the ideal of ishechad v'levechad, one man, one heart. It becomes a single entity. So it applies to women too. The interesting thing on women is women are already connected to this aspect called shekhinah more than men. Because men have their repair in the in Zerapin. The women are connected to Shekhinah already. So you don't have to do it Zeman Grama. Time causes. So you're not affected by time causes. 
So I'm just going to finish real fast because we're going to go pray. So he says, the, this ties in magnificently. So we, we have here, just to understand, he says that it's essential for every person to include himself among the congregation prior to engaging in prayer. He has to think that I'm joining. And one of the things, the prayers that we say before we pray is L'Shem Yichud. He says, in order to unite... We want to unite, so to say, God and the Shekhinah. What are we, in essence, saying? That when we're coming to pray, when we're coming into the Minyan, when we're coming to be together, we're uniting the, the two aspects of God and we're uniting all the souls with, on, with us. We're becoming a single entity into that and therefore we can become part of a tikkun of everything. It says that there's a word called, there's a world called Call Yisrael. There's a world called Call Yisrael. It is a complete and perfect world without any flaws. Call Yisrael means all of Israel. Because Yisrael as a whole says, Call Yisrael, all of Israel has a, 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 a place in the, in the next world. Kulam Sadikim. All of them are Sadikim. How could you say everyone's a Sadiq? Obviously, there are people who aren't righteous, there are people who are wicked. He says, No. But when everyone comes together, when they become part of Sibur, they become part of this entity called Kol Yisrael, Yesh Chelek Olam Kol Yisrael Sadikim, and everything changes. It says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, when the Sibur prays, he says, this is time called Et Ratzon, even if we're unworthy as individuals, nevertheless, when we join the Sibur, the, the following holds true, that Hashem doesn't despise anyone. Once we come together, we're all looked at as different people. He says, it's really, really, so to say, a trick. It's a trick. If a person has any negativity, if a person has any faults, if a person has, how does he overcome them? By coming together and joining with the others. And like we said last week, really, you're going through the Shavuot. The whole idea of Shavuot is to join in unity. Because only when we join in unity can we receive the Torah again, which we're supposed to receive on the... On in another two weeks he says when we join in unity but the reality he's saying it's not so difficult if we come together on a physical level and think in our minds to come together on a spiritual level we in essence do that and if we think of how to take advantage of it we can and we can walk out a completely changed person and that's the that's the really the idea of this whole idea of Sibor this was a class on Parshat Emor, 5778, The Power of Minyan. See you next week.